Welcome back to another Wednesday night Bible study. Welcome back, Kevin. Yeah. Really you. enjoying getting to hang out with you, getting to expand our friendship as we yeah. uh, talk about the subject of friendship. Yeah. Well, and the space between us is at least six and a half. Feet, yeah. I, hope, maybe, so. maybe, maybe it's five, <laughs> 11. So anyway, uh, but no, we're, we're really, I'm really thankful that we're able to do the class that we had intended to do. We intended to do it with a full auditorium, but uh, it's all right. We, it's a little easier with no one here. Neither one of us are extremely extroverted, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of nice just to have the two of us. Right, it is. But if this is your first time to be joining us for our Wednesday Night Bible Study, we're talking about friendship. We want to talk about both the blessings of friendship and the struggles of friendship and talk about how it's worth it, but it's hard work to, to yeah. maintain friendships and also to start new friendships. We also want to explore a little bit about how the gospel helps us to be better friends, how Jesus helps us to have what we need and be who we need to be in order to be better friends. And with that, we're also using Paul and some of his friendships as maybe a template or just a, a jumping off point where we can start talking about uh, Paul's life and some of the friendships that he had in his lifetime and how we might be able to learn some things from his friendships. Yeah, I, I think staying grounded in the word is important. And it, this is a difficult subject to do that with. Yes. And so I think having Paul's relationships as a reference point um, is really useful yeah. for us. They kind of refer back to and kind of say, well, this is a way this could be applied and, and be understood through scripture. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and also obviously making sure that we remember as we read like passages in Acts or passages in some of Paul's letters that it wasn't necessarily his intention or Luke's intention in the book of Acts in order to like elaborate on friendship, <laughs> but it is good for us, I think, to stop and remember these are real people, real mm -hmm. people that we will meet one day and we will spend an eternity with, uh, but they were real people who lived real lives and they, they struggled with some of the same things that we struggle with. Even though yeah. they lived in a different culture and spoke a different language, there are many things that are universal, uh, that, are, that are blessings to friendships and relationships, but also struggles uh, for friendships and relationships. And the thing we're going to talk about tonight is starting conversations with people. And, and that's something that really I've always admired about Paul, is that Paul can seemingly go to a community and strike up conversations and begin new friendships and new relationships in communities that are very different. Uh, some communities that are predominantly Jewish, a background from which he came, um, and all other communities that are predominantly Gentile, which would have been very different for him, um, but but he would go into a community and he would just begin to, to teach them about Jesus. But I, I think that even though a lot of what we read is couched around evangelism and teaching people the good news about Jesus, I think we have to remember that we're not, we're not two-dimensional people. We're three-dimensional people. And in order to have a conversation with somebody about Jesus, you have to have a conversation with someone. <laughs> you have to have a relationship with somebody and, and interact with them, not as a project, but as a person. Mm -hmm. and, and really enter into that conversation and continue that conversation um, with a real live person. And, and so I think a good, a good story to 
kind of anchor this conversation in is Acts chapter 16 and verse 11. And Paul goes over to Macedonia. Uh, He sees this vision and he goes over to Macedonia. We're going to start in Acts 16, verse 11. It says, so setting sail from Troas, we, which would include Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went, uh, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, I'm just going to kind of pause there for just a second because it's interesting that in most of the communities that Paul would go to, he would start in the synagogue. That would be probably his first place to go. So he'd go to the synagogue on the Sabbath and would begin to teach them about Jesus In Philippi, that's not what he does. Instead, they go to a place of prayer, which is by the river. Most scholars point out that it's probably because there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi. And in order for there to be a synagogue in a community, there had to be 10 Jewish males. And if there wasn't 10 Jewish males, then they couldn't have a synagogue. And when you continue reading this story, it appears that there's There's women in this community that are Jewish or they believe in Yahweh and and worship Yahweh. And and so that seems to be the Jewish community in Philippi is several women that go down to the river uh, on the Sabbath day and, and pray. And so Paul knows this and Luke and those that are traveling with him. And so they go down to, to, the, to the river, go down to um, the place of prayer and speak to the women who have come together. Um, and again, I just always think that it's really interesting how Paul finds ways to start conversations with people either from a Gentile background, we see some of those examples, and also from a Jewish background, but he always seems to find common ground with people and start with commonality. And obviously, the commonality here in this situation is that they're all worshipers of God. Um, They're all worshipers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he goes and he begins probably that conversation around the promises that, that God had made in the, in the law and the prophets. So verse 14 says, one who, had her, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So a couple things we could point out about Lydia. One, she's a seller of purple goods, which probably means that she's a person of means. She's probably pretty wealthy. She has a household. uh, doesn't say anything about a husband. And so she's probably independent and wealthy. Um, It's very possible that she is a Gentile convert. Uh, Luke uses the term a worshiper of God, which may be similar to the times he would use the phrase a God-fearer. Um, and so this, she may be a person from a Gentile background, but had come to love and respect and worship uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, um, and the God. And so um, she, she might be a person that has an interesting Gentile background, but also now a Jewish, a Jewish faith. And it says that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And I think that maybe that might be something we can explore tonight, too, is not forgetting the place that God plays 
in new conversations and new friendships and obviously in sharing the gospel with people. Verse 15 says, and after she was baptized, sorry, verse 15, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And so again, I think it's interesting to point out that Lydia is not a project to Paul. Lydia is a person. She's someone that, um, that becomes a friend, uh, someone that after she becomes a follower of Jesus says, my house is your house, mi casa es su casa, our, our, we're family now, and if you judge me to be faithful follower of Jesus, then come and stay at our house. And so Paul and his companions come and stay in Lydia's house. And, and so even though we don't know much more about Lydia from this point forward, I have to imagine that there is a solid friendship that's formed. And so when I read like the book of Philippians, when I read Paul's letter to Philippi, I think about Lydia and I think about the fact that she's part of this church family, the very first one in Philippi who became a follower of Jesus and how that friendship started that Sabbath day at the river when Paul struck up that conversation with them. And from then on, I'm sure uh, a solid, long-lasting friendship developed. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, I think it's worth noting, too, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I probably am going to be wrong about some things tonight. But um, Philippi was one of those congregations, one of those church groups that Paul had that special relationship with. And if I remember correctly, then this is a group that would give aid financially to uh, to Paul. Yeah. And so it, Lydia must have been a part of that. I, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think when he thanks them for their gift, you have to imagine that she was part of right. sending that gift. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I think that kind of makes it seem as though they were more intimately connected. Mm-hmm. Right, and certainly intimate in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's something good to go off of, and I appreciate your insight. And, you know, I feel like in your normal sermons, you'll say this often as well, where it's like if you don't treat people as though they are people, then they or you're not going to be able to have an effect on them. Yeah. You're not going to be able to develop this relationship with them. And so, you know, this conversation is about how to begin that. Right. And as opposed to last week, um, which was a lesson I was looking very much forward to, um, looking forward to educating about constancy and about how that can apply to our lives, this is one I've been dreading. Um, And it's partly because this is not something I'm very good at and not something I like to do. Um, But it is very important. And it's good for me to remind myself that, you know, making new friendships, making new relationships is really important. And how to do that is something that, you know, it's a struggle for many, myself included. And, you know, it, so that's part of why I was dreading it is because it's something I'm not very good at. And another part is that it seems like a really simple topic. Mm-hmm. I could say, oh, hi, Wes, how are you doing? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, what? Look, we're done. It's over. We, we know how to start conversations. It's always like that. Yeah. Um, but if you're like me, and it doesn't seem that simple, or you don't know what to say next. Yeah. Um, and so it's not just about starting conversations, it's really about beginning relationships. Mm. And I think it's worth noting that a lot of times what makes it difficult for introverts to begin conversations is 
either it seems like this kind of like opening up to people is difficult and they don't really want to do it Mm -hmm. or they feel like if they do then nothing will come of it they'll be Mm -hmm. like well we'll have this awkward conversation for five minutes or so and then we'll kind of move on so why not spare with the awkwardness yeah and why not spare ourselves the awkwardness there and just kind of move on and talk to people we already know yeah or talk to nobody yeah right and so kind of like noticing that's you know many people's experience but then also making note that some people this is not that difficult mm-hmm. like well you just talk about anything mm-hmm. you just start talking about the weather the news the sports teams or like anything like that it's like just kind of assume that's something people will enjoy doing mm-hmm. right and so i'm hoping that tonight we can address maybe both sides of this yeah. where it's like maybe this is easy for you then how do you I guess, how do you make yourself easy to approach mm-hmm. um, it for people that would struggle with starting those conversations? And then it, how, I guess, how to identify people that you can kind of bring in like that. And then how to develop a good connection with somebody that would struggle with these early parts of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think another thing, not to complicate the conversation even more, but, uh, but you know, you, you said that there's that, that fear that the conversation is going to be awkward. And that's definitely part of it because I'm also a person that will avoid starting a conversation mm-hmm. if I can help it. And, and so, and I want to get better at that. I want to be better at engaging people I don't know and building new relationships and meeting people that I've never met before. And I think for me, one of the fears goes back to something we talked about in an earlier lesson, and that's if people knew me, my biggest fear is they wouldn't like me. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest fear is being rejected. And so, you know, in fact, when I I watch a television show or a movie where somebody has no self-awareness, you know, and, and they're just fun to cringe about you know to yeah. watch and it's just kind of cringeworthy or you you're laughing at the fact that they have no self-awareness right. i'm afraid i'm i'm terrified that i'm going to be that guy i'm going to be the guy that doesn't know how he's coming across to someone else and that they don't like me but they're not telling me and so there's that fear that if i enter into a conversation with someone or i strike that I'm afraid I'm bothering them or I'm afraid they won't like me. And so it's easier, I think, for some of us, for myself, to not put ourselves out there because we're afraid if I put myself out there, maybe they won't like me. Maybe maybe it'll just be uncomfortable or maybe I'll be rejected um, or maybe even if they don't reject me outright, they're thinking in their head, I wish this person would stop bothering me. Right. Well, and when we treat it like it's the worst thing that could happen to us, then we're even less likely to attempt. But we're also less likely to be successful when we do attempt. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because we're going to seem awkward going into the conversation, right. like right. really timid, like, oh, well, just kind of edge around it and be like, man, that was really weird. Yes. Right. And yes. so then we're kind of creating this reality that we're fearing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if the worst thing that happens to our life is that we, have a weird conversation with somebody then things are all right like yeah, we've had a good, a good life point. and so that, that risk is worth it yeah and maybe a good place to start is, is that if to start the starting conversations conversation that's <laughs> um, so maybe a good place to start that is whenever like if we like small talk we like kind of talking about you just whatever's going on 
then that's good. Like lean into that, mm-hmm. do that well. Um, if you don't like that, it's it, you should gain some familiarity mm-hmm. with some basic topics that people are interested in. Yeah, um, and like especially like kind of gaining in like basically when they start talking about their thing. If you don't know anything about it, great. Ask some yes. questions. Yes. Like people yes. love to tell you about their hobbies. Yes. So give them time to do that, right? And then they'll think they're like, oh, this person's interested in me. Yes. When really you're just trying to skate through this conversation somehow, right? And over time, you will develop some idea of what they like to talk about, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's a good starting place there. And so whenever you're asking these basic questions, like what do you like to do? What are are things that are interesting to you? Or if they're just already talking to you and you're listening, then kind of asking those reflecting kind Mm -hmm. of uh, questions to like summarize what they say, Mm -hmm. say, okay, that's really interesting. I don't think I've ever thought about like that before, or I don't really know anything about, you know, cricket. And so like, what can you tell me about it? Right. Right. Which those sorts of conversations come up more than you'd think. Yeah. Right. So people have varied interests and with the internet, it's really easy for people to kind of have these off the wall kind Mm -hmm. of uh, interests that they can really educate you on. And I, I do enjoy kind of gathering knowledge in that way mm-hmm. um, and, and knowing some things about lots of things. It can be really enjoyable for me personally. And so that's a way I kind of lean into what my personality yeah. is kind of drawing me toward. Um, and maybe something good to point out is that this class isn't really about changing your personality, mm-hmm. right? Introverts, I get it, right? And so I, I understand. I, I don't want to be different or I feel like I can't be. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I'm not trying to tell introverts they need to be extroverts to right. make things work. I'm not telling intro- extroverts they need to chill out a bit and be introverts mm-hmm. to make things work. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, lean into what you're good at, right? And something I think introverts can be good at in relationships is having these deep and personal ones, mm-hmm. right? And so if that's the case, then like lean into that, yeah, right? Whenever you are whenever you've developed some familiarity with things they are interested in talking about, whoever they may be, then start the conversation with that. Just be like, well, what's going on in this area of interest for you or what's going on with that? And when you ask it, whenever you see an opportunity in what they're talking about to ask them more personal questions, Mm -hmm. that's a good time for that. Do you think we should give some examples of more personal questions to ask? Yeah, I think that's really good. And before we get there, I think that's really, to me, is the key to all of this, is not necessarily to have on your checklist of what do I need to do to be a good Christian, and that's have lots of friends or have lots of conversations, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just to be genuinely interested in people genuinely love people. And when you genuinely love people, I I found that as I've grown as a person and as a follower of Jesus, the thing that helps me to be more, not extroverted, but, but more able to have these types of conversations with people I don't know is to think of myself less I love the, the quote that says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And, and that's our problem. That's my problem when I'm thinking, I hope Kevin doesn't reject me. I hope that I'm not bothering Kevin. I hope I'm not annoying Kevin. If I'm thinking about myself, 
well, then I'm either not going to have a conversation or I will end up bothering you because I'm so obsessed with me and what you think of me. Mm-hmm. Rather than that, I should go into the conversation, like you said, with a genuine interest in what do you like? And yeah. tell me about that. And I've never thought about that. And you know, asking questions about them rather than being obsessed with what they might think of you. And so if we genuinely love people, if we're genuinely interested in them, it will come a lot more easily to ask them these types of questions and we'll be less likely to be obsessed with, well, what do they think about me? Because it's Mm -hmm. not about me, it's about them. And and I think that that selflessness and humility helps us to have these conversations. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a very worthwhile way to look at the situation. Um, It really kind of, what it's like to do this and maybe a different way to look at it and not to say that yours is wrong um, it, but this is a different way to look at it is sometimes we are worried that we have nothing to bring to the table mm-hmm. which is kind of like a, a different kind of struggle mm-hmm. with humility yeah right it's like where we we think too little of ourselves yeah. to have those conversations like well they're like i don't have anything mm-hmm. there's nothing about me that they should want to know or get to be around or something like that mm-hmm. which is in line with like, what do they think of me? Mm-hmm. But maybe it's a, like this internal struggle of like, I've got nothing to bring to the table and then looking to uh, looking for confirmation for that. Yeah. Be like, well, if they don't like me or like if this conversation doesn't go well, then that means I'm right, mm-hmm. right? And like I said in the first lesson, one of the significant benefits we can get um, from having relationships is that people will tell us we're wrong about that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And having that in mind whenever we start our conversations is really healthy. Yeah, It's like, well, I am worried this is true about myself. I'm going to see what other people think about that, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of the time, it, you know, it, maybe the first conversation you have with somebody doesn't need to be about like what you think about yourself and like, mm-hmm. your lack of self-confidence or whatever. But down the line, that could definitely be something of value. Mm-hmm. And you can see the way that they respond to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, that worry about not having anything to bring to the table can also be just as small as that discussion. Like, well, I won't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exactly why you ask about their interests, right? Because you don't need to bring that to the table. They yeah. already have it. Yeah. Right, and what you're bringing to the table is genuine interest mm. in them. Yeah. Right, and that's a lot easier to do as a, an introvert. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. like that's in, pretty easy to do for an extrovert too. Yeah. And at times, I think extroverts can forget um, to ask those kinds of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that I think that when we say starting conversations to a lot of people, that implies I need to talk to people, and they're does need to be conversation, sure. but conversation yeah. is two-way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not just about talking to people, it's about talking with people, it's about listening to them as much, or if not more, mm-hmm. than, than you do the talking. And I think that for those of us that are a little bit introverted, it's hard for us to start the conversation, but for those that are extroverted, it might be hard not to dominate the conversation. And I think both of those things are we, things we have to keep in check. I need yeah. to be willing to step out of my comfort zone and start a conversation, but I also need to be willing not to dominate the conversation. Right, and I think just be reflective on your conversations after the fact and yeah. be like, well, what did I learn about them during this conversation? 
and kind of vice versa, mm-hmm. right? Well, what did I kind of pull out of myself and what did I learn about them yeah. through this conversation? And look for ways to adjust. Like this can be an explicit discussion with mm-hmm. you and the other person. Like, hey, you know, you talked about, um, like I talked a lot about me today and I'd like to know some more about you, mm-hmm. right? That can be really genuine and really good to hear from somebody. Um, and, you know, also saying like, well, I feel like, I asked a lot about your interests last time, but I'd like to tell you about some of mine, mm-hmm. right? So this can be initiated from either side, mm-hmm. right? And we don't need to feel guilty if, you know, part of what we came away from that conversation with is that like, man, this person talks a lot. Like, okay. That's, that's, that's part, part of who they are. Part yeah. of who they are. Yeah. I and mean, part of something to appreciate about them, um, especially if you don't always have things to say, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's nice that somebody will help kind of uh, steer the conversation. Mm-hmm but also to not forget kind of your responsibility to be half of that conversation mm-hmm. is really important. And I don't want to step on too much of what we have to talk about in future lessons, so we'll probably not go too deep there. But it is refreshing and wonderful whenever people are interested in you. Mm-hmm. And that is a gift you can give to everybody, mm-hmm. right? Like you can, you can be interested in them. You can be kind you can be inquisitive like you can ask them to talk more about themselves and about who they are and i think if we can do this then that can create a real change in the the basically how deep our relationships go Mm -hmm. right and at any point in a relationship there will be a temptation to stagnate Right? Basically be like, well, we've already talked about all these things. Mm-hmm. We have nothing new to talk about, right? And I think, because you know, I, I think it's another part of starting conversations. Like, what if I already kind of know them? Like, okay, then you get to start a different sort of conversation, mm-hmm. right? You can catch up. You can ask these basic questions, but going deeper is always something worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess... You know, we never really got back around to like how to ask these more yeah, personal yeah. questions. So, whenever we are kind of having these more small small talk, but maybe surface level conversations, be on the lookout for basically included in their conversation. You're going to hear a lot of statements that don't seem to apply to the to the situation at hand, right? And this may be a little tricky to teach, but for example, if somebody's talking to me about where they went this last weekend, um, you will hear these interpretive statements like, well, I think this went well, or I think this didn't go well, right? And if you don't gather that from their, uh, from their statements or their words, then you can usually gather it from body language in one way or another. And that is the point at which you can ask further questions. Yeah. Right? And you say, well, well what do you mean? And it's like, what do you mean this went badly? Or what do you mean this went well? Or like, I'm noticing that you're acting this way. I'm concerned or I'm interested to hear more. And or it's like, what is it like for you? Or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's like all of these are very good ways to demonstrate interest in another person and if you think about the people in your life that have done this well for you um, then you may find that 
some of them will be people that you are closest to. Mm-hmm. And it all started with kind of that demonstrating interest in you as a person, like you talked about with Lydia. Yeah. And it's like Paul went to that place where he knew he had an end with people. Mm-hmm. He knew he already had some commonality and kind of grew out of that. So maybe it's worth talking about people you don't have any commonality with or you can't tell, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, we all go to church here and so you at least have something to talk about. Yeah. You go stand in the education wing over there, um, you'll be around other parents. Yeah. you got kids around the same age. That's yeah. really easy to talk about. Um, so what about people that you don't have any commonality with or nothing simple to talk about, right? Um, I guess... In those cases, that that is where it's especially important, I think, to begin the conversation with, like, what what do you like to do in your spare time? Mm-hmm. And then you might develop a shared interest or notice a shared interest, or you might um, realize that, like, <laughs> it's going to be harder than you expected mm-hmm. to talk about. But that's whenever, you know, if it's something where you have a hard time starting conversations kind of coming into each of these conversations with something in mind that is interesting to you or something in mind that you like to talk about um, that can kind of be how you contribute to driving that conversation forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I keep thinking about um, one of my favorite chapters in a C.S. Lewis book is in his book, The Four Loves. He has a chapter on friendship. In fact, I've read that chapter many times. I don't think I've read the other chapters in the book, but I love that chapter on friendship. And he says that friendship is born in the moment that you realize that the two of you have something in common that isn't shared with most other people. Mm. The moment where you say, you two, I thought I was the only one. And in yeah. those moments, and, and so if we can have those kinds of conversations where we're maybe not digging because that sounds rather intrusive to dig yeah. into somebody's life, but that we're exploring Mm-hmm. with someone else, realizing that this is a multidimensional person that has lots of facets of their life and, and their personality and who they are and what they like. And we're bound to have something in common around which we can build a friendship. And, you know, like you, you began by saying that uh, our faith in Jesus is this tremendous um, commonality that we all have. And even if you and I had nothing else in common, the most important part of our life we share in common. And so Mm -hmm. we could build a friendship around our shared faith in Jesus. And even if it's someone who doesn't share our faith in Jesus, chances are they have some thoughts or, or feelings or, you know, ideas about spirituality or religion or God. And so if, even if they're an atheist, there are you know, they're, they're thinking about spiritual things. And so there, there's going to be an area about which you can, you can sort of explore and, and begin to build some commonality with them, I, I feel like. And, and to your point, it's going to take exploring and asking questions and, you know, I, I keep wanting to say dig into. Yeah. And you don't want it to come across like an interrogation. Right. Um, but but it's, it's very possible. And like you said, um, not only is it possible to find common ground, but most people are fairly receptive to someone who genuinely is interested in 
what do you like to do? And, yeah. and tell me about your hobbies and tell me about your, so your, what kind of family do you come from or where, what country? We live in, a, in an area where we have a lot of people that have immigrated here to this area from other parts of the world. Yeah. And as, as someone who has traveled with you to Europe, right. I mean, if somebody had asked me, well, tell me about the United States or tell me about Texas, yeah. I never would have been like, well, what a rude question or what an intrusive <laughs> question. You know, I would have loved to tell them about right. where I came from and what do we do. And so I'm sure that with most people who have immigrated here from other places in the world, they'd love to tell you about their culture. Yeah. They'd love to tell you about where they came from. And, and you can figure out how your culture is different than theirs or how it's the same or uh, you know, begin to explore and be genuinely interested in them and, and you're going to find things around which you can build a friendship. Right. Well, another good place to explore always is, uh, is work. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how, how many conversations I have with people just about their work. And, you know, asking them what they do for work is actually a really common starter question. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to let it drop after they give their nominal yeah. answer. Like, yeah. oh, I'm an accountant, or I'm a lawyer, or <laughs> it's like, I, I am a student, or something like that. And then we'd be like, oh, interesting, great. And then we kind of just move on, right? So it kind of becomes part of that greeting, yeah. kind of it, where it's like, well, how are you doing? Fine, yeah. great, what do you do for work? Yeah. Great, okay. Um, so I know like two things about you, perfect, I'm just gonna move on. Um, and then kind of with that fear of things being a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, I'm not going to ask more because what if they get uncomfortable with my questions or yeah. something? Yeah. Right. But one of, and maybe it's good to acknowledge as well, this doesn't need to happen in one conversation. Mm -hmm. Like it probably shouldn't happen yeah, in right. one conversation. Right. right. But kind of revisiting from week over week yeah. and, and just being like, well, I'm going to make, continued effort to be in touch with this person yeah. um, and really doing this over time is what is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we think about, I guess, relationships developing, like they're supposed to be a series of like grand gestures. They're supposed to be like, oh, I want to invite you to this. I want you to go do this best thing that you've ever done. Mm -hmm. And then like that's how we sometimes think that friendships work or relationships work. It's like, a, like we're supposed to do this one big thing every now and then, but really all relationships, maybe particularly friendships, uh, require consistent and constant um, contact. Um, not all the time, kind right. of constant, but like we talked about last week, yeah. where it's like we are going to be the same person to them every mm -hmm. time we're in touch. Um, and doing this over time is really a wonderful way to provide a kind of an opening for bigger connection with yeah. other people. Yeah. I can't tell you how much it means to me when someone remembers something I told them in a previous conversation. Yeah. When someone says to me, oh, didn't you grow up in Kansas? You know, and it's like, how, how in the world did you remember that? You know, and I don't, I never expect somebody to remember yeah. those things interaction over interaction, but when they do, it's a tremendous compliment. Maybe that's not the best word, but it, it's a tremendous, tremendous testimony to the fact that they care about me mm -hmm. as a person, that I've, I've occupied a small part of their brain and their memory yeah. they've devoted to where I grew up. And that's just yeah. a really amazing thing. And if, if, if we feel that way about someone else remembering a key detail of our life, mm. then the people in our life that we meet 
they feel the same way. And so if we devote some memory space to, oh, no, you told me that you are an accountant. How's that going? You know, how's work? You know, Poorly, and, I'm not good at it. And, <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> oh, wait, that's the rest right. of your family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but if, if we devote that, that space in our memory to, to things that people have shared about themselves and then we follow up on that in, in subsequent conversations, mm-hmm. it's going to mean the world to people. Right. Yeah. You don't want to have the same attempt to start conversations every time. Right. Tell, sure. What do you do for a living? Yeah, yeah. I've told you that three times now. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it's going to be like that yeah. where you don't remember. And something, and I used to be the sort of person that would almost never remember anything conversation to conversation. Sure. And part of how I addressed that um, was to develop a habit of reflecting on my conversations. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes I can even do that during the conversation. Like, oh, okay, this is something we talked about. I'm going to kind of paraphrase that. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're interested in this, and I'd like to know more about that. Maybe now's not the right time to talk more about that because yeah. we're, you know, like, we got to go do stuff. But, you know, at the same time, kind of just move on. Um, and, and to be like, I'm going to bring this up later. So it kind of giving yourself this time to remember mm-hmm. or time to reflect is really key at basically making these conversations not part of a routine or part of a forgettable part of your day. Yeah. Right. An example I bring up a lot with my clients is like imagine that you're driving and whenever you arrive at the place, you don't remember the drive unless something really big happened, Mm -hmm. but probably nothing really big did happen. And even the things that while we're driving seem like really big deals, like we get cut off or we get caught at every light or something like that. Some of that stuff we'll remember, but some of that stuff we're not, right? And it's because we are treating it like it's this thing we do whilst in transit, mm. right? Like we're buffering for our day, yeah. right? And so it's a forgettable part of our day. And sometimes our conversations are a bit like that, right? And so the point of this is like when you start these conversations, try to not forget what happened mm-hmm. just a few minutes ago, yeah. right? Try to remember... And a good way to do that is to spend time reflecting on who this person is, what your best hopes for them are, what your best hopes for that relationship are. And, and whenever you do that, then like you're creating space in your brain for this person. Yeah. You know, I, we're running out of time, but I, I just keep thinking about how incredibly important and valuable a biblical worldview teaches us that human beings are. Human beings are unbelievably valuable and important. And if we treat interactions and relationships as if they were no big deal or nothing special, as we tend to do, you know, we tend Mm. to treat a, a casual interaction as if it's not important. But if we remember Kevin is an image bearer of God, and to, to your earlier point about thinking we have nothing to bring to the table, mm-hmm. also remembering that we are image bearers of God and the fact that two mm-hmm. image bearers of God are having a conversation and trying to build each other up and encourage each other and become friends and start a relationship and a friendship, that's an incredibly amazing moment. And if we realize the significance of any human interaction, and maybe this current mm-hmm quarantine situation that we're in will remind us that human interaction is infinitely important and valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, in just like you, much of faith, the kind of the growth 
that we receive from this effort is partly directed by God, mm-hmm. but it's it it's also exponential in a certain way. Yeah. Right. It's like we put in this effort and it can blossom into something incredibly important, incredibly valuable yeah. to us. And yeah, I, I hope that anyone listening is can see that value, can see that hope. That's like, well, this is maybe a good place to begin um, this effort of making relationships part of uh, part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And as we close, and I'm going to close this with a prayer, I just want to maybe end on the note that if anyone feels the way I tend to feel, like maybe if they know me, they won't really like me, and that prevents us from having conversations with people, we remember the gospel, and the gospel teaches us that God really knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And in spite of the fact that he knows us, he loves us more than we can possibly imagine. And so if I can remember every moment of every day that I am in Christ, I am accepted, and I am loved, then I can walk into a relationship with nothing to lose. And Mm -hmm. I can go into a relationship with boldness and confidence, not because of who I am, but because of who I am in Jesus and because of what Jesus has done for me. It's going to change the way I I enter into every conversation. So, Kevin, thank you so much for your thoughts. Let's close with a prayer. Father God, we're mindful tonight of all of the people that are struggling in various ways, those in our world that are sick with COVID-19 and with various other issues and health struggles that so many people have and people are separated from their loved ones because they can't be in the hospital with the people that they love and people in the nursing homes and in retirement communities. And Father, there are just so many people on our mind and our heart. And Father, we are just more mindful than ever how important and valuable our interactions with other people really are. And Father, we pray that you comfort and strengthen those that are separated from those they love and pray that you bring healing and that you bring peace. Father, there are many of our number that are are struggling in other ways as well. And we pray that you build them up and strengthen them and that you help us to be there for one another. Help us to encourage one another in any way that we can. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings and all the hope and all the joy we have because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.